Hello and welcome back to It's a Musical Podcast, where this week we are riding in style because we are sat on our new couches. We sure are. After 12 weeks yep. of being sat either on the floor, mm-hmm. on garden chairs, yep. or a sofa bed. Which was not comfortable. This week we are watching Oklahoma. Yes. I've just realised I didn't say I'm Drew. And I'm the boyfriend. <laughs> yes. We're covered. Cool. I mean, I'm hoping if people are listening, they know who we are by now. Yeah. My mum definitely does, and she definitely listens. Yeah. So <laughs> we're sorted. Yeah. Oklahoma. Yes. Is it not the state like you got confused by previously? Yeah, so I, I, Danny asked me when the film came out, or when the film was made, and I was like, oh, I don't know, I'll Google it. This is like a week ago, before I started my research, yeah. and I typed Oklahoma into Google, assuming that it would just give me information about the musical and forgetting that the actual state exists. I could probably tell you more about Oklahoma the state than I can Oklahoma. Tell me the... something about Oklahoma, then. There is a football rivalry between Oklahoma and Texas, especially with their colleges. Surely that is true everywhere in America. One of the most famous Oklahomans Mm -hmm. is a wrestling announcer called Jim Ross. And he's like the soundtrack to my wrestling youth. Cool. Oklahoma have like a chant for their, or a saying for their football team is Boomer Sooner. I don't know what it means. Why is their chant not We're Okay? Like Uzma Kappa, which is my favourite one. Very cool. Um, Okay, so before I tell you anything about the musical, what do you currently know about it? It's Rodgers and Hammerstein. Yes, it is. And it ends with a wedding of some sort. Cool. Is that, how do you know that? Because of Encore. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we watched, we've been watching Encore and absolutely loving it. Yeah, we introduced your brother to it, which I think he enjoyed it. <laughs> he enjoyed it because it's trash. It's it's terrible. But the right way, it. like, it's good reality TV. Yeah. But you know. there's an episode, quick overview of the concept is they get high school drama clubs from the ye old days to come back as adults and perform their shows. And there's an episode where they do Oklahoma, which I do not think told you anything about the plot of the musical. No. I really have enjoyed watching the bits of Encore we've seen. We've tried to watch ones where... Where you've seen the musical. Where we've seen the musical, with the exception of Annie. We've watched that one twice and I still don't know the plot. (laughs) But we watched Grease, we've watched Beauty and the Beast, we've Mm. watched Annie Get Your Gun. Not seen it, but we watched Annie Get Your Gun, we watched Oklahoma. My favourite thing about Encore is, like, for a casual person scrolling Disney+, Plus. Yeah. like, the first image you see is... Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. And thus far, in all our experience with the episodes we've watched, she has only shown up in one episode, and that was mm-hmm. the first episode for Annie. And I, I honestly thought she'd be more of a presence, like, she, she shows just up and watches it. it. Yeah. yeah, and, like, that's really funny to me. It's a great show. Give it a watch if you're on Disney+, Plus because it is really fun. It is really fun. And it's the sort of thing that I think you can get unlimited mileage out of. I don't think it matters. Like, I'd happily watch another Grease, or I'd happily watch another Oh, yeah, with Annie. different people. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you're always going to get a different... I don't think they're going to run out of musicals. No, and it's the sort of thing that I would really love it if they were able to branch out into different countries. Like, Mm -hmm. not for me selfishly being like, ha-ha. But, like, wouldn't it be interesting to see, like, 
different countries' takes on these shows. Mm. Like, yeah, because I, think... I love watching other countries' takes on musicals anyway. The Japanese version of Hairspray is amazing. Yeah, and like I think that'd be really interesting culturally to see different productions. <clears throat> the reason like I brought up Encore as well is, is I think it was the most notable one so far in the fact that they have shown a modern revival of Oklahoma. Like, it's the only one yes. where they've actually touched on somebody who is in a staged version of it currently yeah. talking and liaising with the actors, which I thought was quite interesting. So this song was notable for the fact that one of the previous cast members of mm. the high school... Is had, now in a wheelchair. yeah had an accident led to him being in a wheelchair. Yeah, so and they had... And he had real guilt over wanting to do the role. He didn't think it was acceptable, and they actually mm. hooked him up with an actress who was doing a Oklahoma on stage now who was in a wheelchair. Yeah, so he, in Encore, the guy who had ended up in a wheelchair, he was playing Curly. Won't mean anything no. to you. But Curly's a dancing role. Yeah. And they were talking about him feeling like he wasn't going to be able to play that role because obviously he's in a wheelchair now so they had Ali Stroker come and talk to him she currently plays or would currently be playing Ada Annie in the Broadway cast Mm -hmm. of Oklahoma big role kind of like the sort of sexy girl character role and the fact that that character is in a wheelchair in the show has no impediment on her character at all. Yeah. It makes no difference. So, and that's the point that they're making. Is Which that I think is awesome, difference. yeah. Because She's this, also is, ingly. this is an old fashioned show. Yeah. I feel like this is a western. Mm-hmm. You're getting that from the title. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Oklahoma is a southern state. Yeah. But I don't know when the time period is. I feel like it's probably more in the old west. Mm. So it's late 1800s yeah so obviously different kind of themes different kind of values mm-hmm. i don't know if it's like boy likes girl misunderstandings and then eventually boy and girl end up together i've got no idea with this one of the plot no. how many notes do you have for this two Roger and Hammerstein ends with a wedding. Is that it? That Amazing. Was it. Okay. So it's set in 1906. Okay. So you're close. Close. It's the first Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. So this was what made them. Yeah. Cool. And it's based on a play from 1931 by Lynn Riggs called Green Grow the Lilacs, which is essentially the plot of the musical. So that was 1931? Yeah. When did Oklahoma come out? Oklahoma, the original musical, came out in 1943. So 12 years after a play has been repurposed. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. You don't hear that often of, like, plays being repurposed as musicals by different people completely. Yeah, and especially because Lynn Riggs, who wrote the play, has nothing to do with the musical at all. Like, the book and the lyrics are written by Oscar Hammerstein and Richard Rodgers. I don't know why I can't get his name out. (laughs) Yeah. And the music and everything that is done by Rodgers and Hammerstein. So they've taken inspiration and basis from the play, Mm. but this is their work. 
it's interesting because it's like so soon after. Like obviously we have, you know, Anne Juliet out now. Yeah. But even West Side Story, which are musicals of Shakespeare, but there's obviously centuries between. Well, I think I would compare this more to Pygmalion and My Fair Lady. Yeah. You know, because you're taking something that is pre-existing, has concepts that have existed for hundreds of years. Yeah. And is closest resembling a a play. Mm -hmm. And then they've just turned it into a musical, made it a bit more upbeat. Fair. Yeah. So it came out in March 1943. Box office smash. It ran for 2,212 performances. I had to practice saying that. That is a tongue twister. That's a good warm up. 2,212. 2,212. 2,212. That's good. <laughs> I like that. Nice. If only it had ran for 10 more performances. 2,220. Two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maths. All the twos. I can't do maths. Yeah, and then in 1955, we get the film version. So they didn't wait long yeah. to make the film, nearly 10 years, but it was so much of a box office smash on Broadway that they were like, we've got to monetize this yeah. really, really quickly. And it definitely looks like a musical of that time period. Like in the clips I've seen in the past, it feels old fashioned. Yes. I agree. It it is definitely of old fashioned values. This musical. Yeah. I think the only musical I can say I've really seen from this time period mm-hmm. that kind of I know is is what I'm expecting it to be is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Yeah. I'm feeling like it's going to have that vibe to it, like in the quality of the film, but also the acting the dance I prefer this yeah I would say this one's a little bit more innovative yeah maybe that's just because it's their first one mm-hmm. but I prefer also Seven Brothers for Seven Brothers is like inherently more sexist yeah which you know again of its time yeah it's telling a story mm-hmm. this one I don't think is necessarily going to have issues like with sexism and stuff I think it's more old timey values yeah but I'm, I'm aware of the film. I've seen maybe, like, pictures of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rodgers and Hammerstein, in 1940, had never worked together. They'd both made a name for themselves separately, working on other things. Rogers worked with Lorenz Hart, who wrote Babes in Arms. I don't think you're going to know. No. No. And Hammerstein had written songs and lyrics specifically for things like Showboat. So they were both classic kind of musical writers. And Hammerstein is obviously following on from his father. Mm -hmm. So has like a lineage to uphold. Yeah. Both of them had sort of fizzled out, essentially. Hammerstein was working with another show writer who had at the time sunk into depression and become an alcoholic and they stopped working yeah. but Hammerstein was still getting paid yeah because they were supposed to still be working together Rogers approached Hammerstein and said would you consider maybe working on this new project I've got an idea for I read this play it's really good but I think we could write some music for it and pass it as a musical and Hammerstein had to go and get permission 
to go out of his contract. And when he asked the guy he was working with, he was just like, yeah, do whatever you want. We're not doing this anymore. Fair. Which is sad. Yeah, I mean... For a project to end that way. But also, if it hadn't have happened... It would have a very different musical landscape. Yeah. Rodgers and Hammerstein have big influences on other Well, Rodgers and Hammerstein are two of the most iconic names when it comes to it. Yeah. I think if you were to say to me, before we started the podcast, musicians um, or musical theatre names... Yeah. You'd have Sir Andrew. Obviously. You would have Sondheim. Mm-hmm. You'd have Rodgers and Hammerstein. Yeah. And I know we've done a lot of them on the podcast, but I think that's because they are important. You'd have had Alan Menken. Yeah. But that's a name that's cropped up more from dating you. Obviously, I'm aware he's a soundtrack to my youth as a Disney fan. Yeah. Would I know the name as readily? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But Rodgers and Hammerstein are big deals within this industry. Yeah. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see their very first. Mm-hmm. So it ran for 2,212 shows. Yep. Very soon after they make a film. Mm-hmm. Are Rodgers and Hammerstein as involved in the filmmaking process? Yes. Rodgers and Hammerstein try to always be a part of the film process with their musicals because they don't want the music to be changed. When we watched Cinderella, yeah. we talked about they were in charge of updating the music. Yes for a modern-ish era. However, obviously, they're not filmmakers. No. So they had two new writers for the film to make edits and changes that would make it a more theatrical, like cinema theatrical... Experience, yeah. Yeah. Because there are a lot of things on the stage show that obviously, if you guess right, it's a Western... When you're on the stage, we don't have horses, we don't have the sort of western range to be looking out on. Yeah. It's all very... Well, things need to change in translation. We saw that with the last five years. What works on a stage does not always work on screen. Yes, exactly. And that can sometimes be to the detriment. Yeah. That can sometimes be to the advantage. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily get the same what needs to be changed because they're not coming at it from a film perspective. They're coming at it from... A theatre perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This film was released by the Magna Theatre Corporation. Cool. And it was bought around, essentially. They were shopping around for who they wanted to release yeah. this as a film. So they went to 20th Century Fox, MGM, Columbia and United Artists. Yeah. And they were all really, really interested in doing this. However... Magna Theatre Company bought it for a million dollars. Wow. Which at the time is a lot of money. Was it already filmed then or were they just shopping around the idea? No, just the idea. The idea of turning this stage show into a musical. They didn't have anyone on board for it yet. They didn't have the new writers, nothing. They just had the name Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Rodgers and Hammerstein, here's your million dollars. Yeah. It's crazy. So normally we talk about awards that shows have won. You would think that having run for 2,212 performances, this would have won a lot of awards. It won nothing. No, because it predates the Tony Awards. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the 1947 Tony Awards, the first Tony Awards, musicals like Oklahoma and Carousel 
could not be nominated because they were opened too far in advance of these new Tony Awards. But this award system had never existed. But they still ruled that these musicals couldn't be nominated for anything at all. Not even, like, long-running musical, nothing. They had no categories that they could be entered Which is still a problem to this day. Yes. (laughs) They'd opened too soon to qualify, which is a shame, because... They should have. Have any revivals of it ever fared well at the Tonys or Olivier's or whatever? The most recent one got Best Revival. Good. It got a special Tony Award in 1993 for being a long running. A legacy. Yeah. And it got a Pulitzer Prize when it opened for its book rather than for the actual show. And it won an Olivier Award when it came here in 1999. So it is a fairly well-received yeah. show. Did the film qualify for any Oscar nominations or anything like that? No. Okay. It was a box office smash, though. Yeah. It made $7.1 million. Which, in the box I, I wonder what the inflation would be on that. Yeah. Well, it was on a $6.8 million budget. Which is pretty good. Yeah. So it just made a slight profit. Yeah. It was one of the first productions to be filmed using a 30 frame per second camera, That's so 35mm really yeah. camera. Clearly I know nothing about filming, but it was iconic for doing that. I mean, people are always trying new things. Mm. The Hobbit was filmed on a different frame per second, on a different FPS rate. I can't remember the specifics. Yeah, this is But a lot of cinemas weren't equipped for it. Mm. So, like... Yeah, well, this is one of the things with Oklahoma is the reason it was filmed on 35mm was because they wanted to film it on 70mm, yeah. but none of the theatres at the time could show that. Yeah. So there was no point. So they just filmed it on 35mm, but that's because it fit in theatres that existed already. Yeah. Which is quite good. Uh, it was directed by Zimmerman. You should know who that is, I feel like. He's worked on High Noon. I've not seen High Noon. From Hit to Eternity. Nope. Okay. These are like old Western films, yeah. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Westerns. He did a lot of play adaptations, so that he was a good person to have on board for this. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm I'm kind of cautious on this one. Yeah. Because. Yeah, I just don't like Westerns. Okay. I would not class this as a Western, other than that, the setting. Like, I'm intrigued by it. You'd think it should be fun. It's it got. Is. It's clearly got a lot of acclaim. Yeah. And without it, we wouldn't have a lot of other musicals. There would be no potentially no Sound of Music, mm-hmm. potentially no... Cinderella. I mean, that, that's not a great loss based on my experience Carousel. of it. Not seeing Carousel. King and I. Not singing, and I thought they did, but I wasn't certain. No, we're going to watch a lot of Rogers and Hammerstein. We are going to watch a lot of Rogers and Hammerstein, but considering their names are very big, yeah, I, I am really interested to watch this one. Mm. You know, we we've talked a little bit in the past that you know I studied film, and a lot of my dissertation was looking old fashioned films, yeah, like from this kind of time period. So for me watching them feels more like work than it does entertainment. 
mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why I feel like this is going to be a slog. Yeah. Is there any, like, names attached to the film? So, Gordon McRae, Shirley Jones, Jean Nelson, Gloria Graham, Charlotte Greenwood, essentially all old movie stars. Yeah, nobody I'm that familiar with. Yeah. Gloria Graham is Ado Annie, which is the part played by Ali Stroker. Okay. Could not sing. Really? Yep. And when they made the film, they had to... I'm telling you this in advance because this is an interesting fact to know while watching it. Yeah. She was so tone deaf that they had to go into the film afterwards in editing. Yeah. And frame by frame edit her voice. Because she they didn't record in studios then they recorded live on yeah. set and they had to fix her voice basically in post that's crazy yes one would think she would just record it separately. especially because of how easy i say easy but considering the technology available to people nowadays yeah you know i remember watching like a history of how films were edited and you know you find the exact moment you want in the old film reel and then you cut and stick yeah and that's crazy to then think you've got this other element of the sound as well mm-hmm. especially when if people are singing over each other that's really difficult yeah well um, i think for for songs where they're singing over each other they probably just had somebody else sing for her yeah there's no record of that but for her specific, her one song that she sings on her own, they had to like cut and slice and try and make it sound good. I'll be interested to see how that comes across then. Yeah, it's very good. So like you said, Rodgers and Hammerstein had a lot to do with yeah. making this, but they did all the like typical adaptations. So they put in a couple of new songs cool. by different composers. Oh. Mm just to fill out time, but in a movie style. So rather than songs by the characters, yeah. they put in songs that are diegetic. Okay. So things within the world that enhance the world building. So not necessarily like songs the actors sing, but more background music. Yeah, which I cannot think of a musical that does that. Like a lot of musicals, if there is music playing, it's because it's being sung by a character or it's something that the characters are involved in. Like, if they're all going to a dance, yeah, the song that's being sung at the dance is sung by one of the characters rather than coming out of a radio or a band or something that isn't involved in the plot. Well, in Greece, you've got Raining on Prom Night, which is supposed to be Sandy listening to the radio. But she's singing. She's singing it, but there's another voice singing along with. But Sandy's singing. No, this I know. This is the closest completely comparison detached. Have. Yeah. She's interesting. Yeah. I, but I guess it's that film world. Yeah, but that's, that's the point. Yeah, so that's interesting. Mm. Did much change otherwise from the stage show? To, so they've not cut songs... They're, they're in actually adding stuff to try and make it fit the length they want as opposed to cutting things to make it a shorter length. The only thing that had a major change, because it, it follows it very, very closely, was the first scene of Oklahoma is 45 minutes long. Wow. And you stay in the one place on stage. 
wow. before anything happens. And they were like, we're not going to do this in the film. We're going to change that. But in the, in the stage version, it's because everything is happening in the one uh, place. I was going to say where it was then, but we're going to watch it. And in the film version, sort of cutting between characters, we can be on one side of the building and cut to the other side of the building and move around it more Which is than... interesting. I mean... It's a nice visual break. Yeah, I can imagine it's one of those ones that's great if you are working backstage and you don't have many cues to change your sets. Mm -hmm. But as an audience member, that's quite boring. Yeah, but... So do you remember when we watched the Encore episode? Yeah. It had the same set the entire time. Yeah. The entire time. Even the wedding bit at the end. Yeah, it was someone's porch. Yeah. So it's that scene, basically, but better... For the entire 45 minutes before anything changes. Okay, that's really interesting. Mm. It's a good change. I think, again, yeah, that's a cinematic what works change. on stage doesn't work on screen. Yeah. And you have to make compromises. Mm -hmm. If you don't, potentially you don't have a good adaptation. Yep. They also change the location of some of the songs. But for sort of, again, movie reasons... So there's things in the plot where someone will be like, oh, I've just been off stage doing this thing. And it's like, well, well, why don't we just set it where you were doing this thing? Yeah. Rather than, again, in the porch. Yeah. We'll do it wherever you are. Less exposition and more actually show it. Yeah. Cool. Show, don't tell. Yeah. So plot-wise, ends with the wedding. Yes. What do you think? You've said this, this is a Western that ends with the wedding. I want to know what the plot of Oklahoma is. In your mind, what are we going to see? I really have no idea. I'm assuming people are, you know, you might have like a small business owner. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know. I really, I really <laughs> truly... I couldn't even tell you. It's not like telling you love never dies, like... I can make up a plot mm. or even with Gypsy where yeah. I can kind of think about it. Well, what are Westerns about? Well, I think this seems like too happy to be like, uh, you know, uh, bad cowboy comes to town and we're going to stop them. Okay. Because typically that's what it is. Like Westerns, it's all about bad think about... cowboy versus good cowboy. So take that Western idea and think about what Seven Brides for Seven Brothers was like. And you've also seen My Fair Lady, which is also Rodgers and Hammerstone. What do you think their overlying theme is? Basically trying to better someone. Yeah. So they're going to try and culturise oh, maybe. someone. That's but, not what I was getting at, but okay. Uh, I mean, My Fair Lady deals with a rich man and a poor woman, and he makes her better. Better. Unfortunately, yeah. Like, in quotation marks, mm -hmm. he makes her better. So, I don't know, potentially you might have one of the people who's getting married in the morning mm -hmm. is like... <laughs> nice. Is of a different social status. Yeah. And they're having to kind of prove their merit mm. to these other people. And it could be through a shootout. <laughs> it could be through a bank robbery. I don't think it is. I, I think there's a lot of bank robberies in westerns. Yeah, I I don't know that I've seen a western. 
you've got saloons and you've got a bank. I mean, the, the only Western I can ever say I truly have enjoyed and I never finished because of spoilers is Red Dead Redemption 2. Okay. Yeah. The only Western I've ever seen is the third Back to the Future movie. Yeah, and again. Which I'm aware is based on a Clint Eastwood film, but. I'm sure I've seen other Westerns. I mean, Star Wars is arguably a space Western. It is a space Western. And I've seen them on Sunday afternoons when there's nothing else on. Mm -hmm. But you usually have, like, villagers who react and outcry to some kind of event. So potentially there might be that outcry to the main character. Okay. I'm assuming it is set in Oklahoma, though. Yeah, it is. It's not like they flee to Oklahoma. It's not like... It's not Oregon Trail. I was going to say, it's not like Newsies where they want to go... Santa Fe. Santa Fe. Yeah. It's, it is like... No, we're already in Oklahoma, don't we? Yeah. So, it's got, like, good Christian values. Sure. I'm not sure they translate to today's version of good Christian values, but for the time, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. like... So, yeah, I I, I honestly (laughs) know nothing about this. I can't even hazard a guess as to what this plot might be. Okay. It might just be the misadventure of like two young lovers cool I, I would argue that that's the plot of every Rodgers and Hammerstein musical but sure well we are going to find out yes we've got two plane tickets yep we're flying uh, not first well this is the, the first this class this is the first disc class this we're is gonna the get. first disc class we have had since we've done this podcast so yeah strap in on nice new sofas fly mm. first class to Oklahoma yep and we'll see you when you've seen the musical see you soon there, there, there. <laughs> see you soon see you soon <laughs> There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's eye, and it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning! Oh, what a beautiful day! I've got a feeling everything's going my way and we are back we sure are we've watched Oklahoma and we are ready to talk about it that was long yeah it's a long movie it's two and a bit hours two hours twenty minutes and one second yep so said like our recording. Mm. That includes all the credits, though, and they have long credits. What, the overture at the beginning? The credits at the end? There was just two slides of it. Yeah. That overture at the beginning was far longer. It felt long. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Did you like it? (sighs) (laughs) 
uh, and silences everything. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think I did. Can you? T- okay. Why? I think it was very long. Other than it being long, what I didn't like, like what was the, the songs? Well, no. <laughs> I didn't like the songs. I didn't really like the characters. Mm. Didn't really like the narrative. Okay. <laughs> Harsh. So this is going to be a really fun episode where you talk about all the things you hate about this musical. Yep. Aww. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll stay positive on yeah. it because I'll talk about, you know, bits that were okay, but just wasn't for me. I will say with this version... A lot of the things that are really funny in the stage version fall very flat here. And a lot of the songs that are supposed to be big comedy numbers, and like especially anything Ado Annie does, are played a bit weird. And I was reading about how the actress that plays Ado Annie um, wanted to play her as being like sexy. But she's a she's the comedic relief character. Yeah, in the they're stage the secondary show. lovers. They're mm-hmm. not supposed to be the main lovers. Yeah, she's supposed to be a bit dim. Yeah. And a bit clueless, but like kind and funny. But she doesn't come across kind. No. I was m- more invested in their story. Who? Ado, Annie, and and um, Willie. Like I was far more invested in their story than I was anything else. Okay. And I could have done with much more of that. Yeah. I think it's just Will. Is it Will? Yeah. I kept calling him Willie as time went on. Alright. But okay, we'll call him Will. (laughs) Oh yeah, I I cared more about them. Why? I just felt like it was more compelling. What, with her cheating on him... Because there was an actual will they won't they element there. Like there was no suspension of disbelief when it came to Curly and Laurie. Like I just always knew they'd get together. Yeah, I think you do accept with them that they're going to get together. There's no like you know we were talking about how in rom coms there's always the sort of they they kind of like each other, they grow to like each yeah. other and then something big happens. Mm-hmm. And then they resolve it and they get together at the end. There isn't that with No, they, they are fighting it the whole time as flirty banter, but mm-hmm. there's never any doubt in my mind as to the fact that they'll end up together and I just don't care. But I think that's the point, is like everybody knows that they're going to get together. Curly's using that horrible girl to make Laurie jealous. Yeah, but neither of them are nice people. I don't care about either of them. <laughs> like... They have this whole flirty banter mm. at the very start, and it's obviously clear that they're both into each other, but they're playing off because they're too cool to to just come out with it. Yeah. And as a result, Judd gets caught up in the middle of it, mm. and he gets hurt by it all, because Laurie's using him, which then results in Curly using generic girl, whose name I didn't catch... But Curly singing a song to her about, like, this is why I want to take you to this social event. Yeah, sorry with the fringe on top. So she should never have said yes to Judd in the first place. She knew the way it was going. Yeah, but then I think if 
So basically the conversation that Laurie and Curly have is Curly says, do you want to go to the party with me tonight? Knowing full well that a lot of the other girls have had these dates set up for weeks in advance. Yeah. So she's annoyed that he waited to the last minute to ask her in a sort of, why would you assume that I wouldn't have a date yet kind of way? Like, on the day. But then also, he tells this great fanciful story about the the surrey that he's going to get, which is like a a horse and trap. And it's going to have a little roof with the fringe around the edges of the roof, and it's going to be all gorgeous. The wheels will be yellow, and it will be white and lovely. And just as she's getting into it, she says to him, oh, I bet you got it from such and such a place, and you thought, that if you got it, I would go with you. And he says, no, I was lying. I haven't got it at all. So, of course, she gets annoyed. Then she goes in the house and Judd asks her, so she said yes, just to spite Curly. Well, yeah. Which I think she's kind of justified. instantly puts my back up at both of them. Neither of them are, are nice. Neither of them are interesting. But that's their flirting. It's the Benedict Beatrice kind of flirting. Yeah, but just not as compelling. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's not Shakespeare. No, it, it certainly is not Shakespeare. Like, she should know their relationship well enough at this point to know that it's flirty banter, because that's what it's always been. Mm-hmm. So why drag someone else in the middle of it? Because he's never been serious about her. He hasn't proposed. He hasn't made any kind of offer. They're not promised to each other in the way that Ado Annie is promised to Will. Yeah. They're just flirting. So she isn't stuck just to him, even though she does love him. Yeah. I don't know. I love Aunt Ella. I think Aunt she's Ella is, is one of the best characters in this. She knows everything about everyone. Yeah. Oh, she's so funny. Yeah, and I really like, you know, her banter, how she gets involved in it as well, mm. which makes it clear like this is a long-standing thing with a pair of them. and mm. You know, she's in on it and... She's one of the first characters we see. I think she's at first. I think she's just going to be a throwaway character. Yeah. But actually, she then embeds herself into the rest of the show. Yeah. And I think that she's really good with it. Mm. She knows everybody's business, and yes. she has something to say to everyone. And she's a very confident person within this area. Like she's not letting anyone put her down. No, this is a very feminist musical. All of the women in it have wants and desires, most of which are men, but for the era that we're in, that's that's fine. I was going to say, would it pass your test from last week? Uh, no. But it doesn't matter, because it's a romance. We do, we expect them to be talking about the men. Yeah. That's part, part of the, uh, the genre, isn't it? It is. But all of the women are in complete control of their own situations. And then with Judd being the bad guy, even though she's not in control of that situation, Laurie still has a way of getting out of it. You see, right up until the ending... Mm. Or, Did you feel sorry for Judd? Yeah. <laughs> At no point did I think he was the villain until after she... He's got creepy pictures of naked girls up in his barn that he lives in. Okay. That's creepy. 
He's well, a creepy dude. But it, is that literally the only reason they dislike him? I think it... But they're far more Laurie, willing to go with a, a sleazy peddler than they are him. I mean, it's not everyone dislikes him. It's Laurie that dislikes him. So then why does Laurie use him in that way? He's a victim. Like, I really to see him as the victim. With. Yeah, I, like, after the proposal at the event and he then peers through the windows yeah. or, you know, he gets fired. That's when he starts to become the villain. Mm. But it's all her own fault. But he also, there's a bit earlier on, you know, when they sing, we're not doing this in order anymore, apparently. But we'll, we'll try and get into the order. When they sing Poor Judd is Dead, yeah. weird song, but Judd tells Curly about a friend of his, in inverted commas, who burnt down the house and the barn of yeah. the people he used to work for. Because the girl cheated on him with some other guy, or he found the girl with some other guy in the hayloft and burned their entire house down and killed the three of them, heavily implying that it was him that did it. Yeah. And even if it wasn't, he didn't go to the authorities. No, which, fine, villainous stuff, but we don't know if that's actually true or not. But he's saying it. Why say it? Because he's trying to defend himself and stop Curly from ruining his night. I don't know. He's like, creepy. Curly's just come in and tried to talk him into suicide. That's not... That's yeah, not acts like Curly's we'll got about, a high ground. We'll talk about that song. That song's a weird one. Anyway, starting at the very beginning. I it... knew this one. I, I, I knew it was a beautiful morning. Yeah, so what a beautiful morning. Yes. Uh, you sang it before we put it on. I go, oh, is that this one? Yeah. So I knew that one. And it really is beautiful, like the scenery and the setting, mm-hmm. like it really does look beautiful and it's a good way of establishing Curly. He's happy go lucky. Yeah. It's nice. Know? Nice you know when simple he sings song. when he's riding through the corn. Yes. Corn is as high as an elephant's eye. Yeah. Was the lyric. They couldn't grow corn that, that was high enough for the film. Yeah. Because it's real corn. Yeah. And they had to get scientists to come in to grow corn that was 16 feet high so that he could be sat on his horse and it still be taller than him which made oscar hammerstein really laugh because that's two elephants high apparently according to their like measurements in the show so by trying to do the right thing they actually made they overdid it a little bit fair enough yes so we meet laurie and laurie is kind of a shrew essentially yeah is that she gives as good as she gets yeah there's there's an obvious romance between a pair of them. Mm-hmm. They're just too ignorant to say it and acknowledge it. But they are. You know, he's asking her to go to the dance with him. Mm-hmm. In the most roundabout way possible. Yeah. In a song that is long and slow and just goes overstays its welcome. Oh, I love this song. This it, is I hum this all the time. It was about two minutes too long. All right. Because it has a reprise immediately after. Yeah. Even before the reprise, it got too long for me. Okay. I just thought it'd be really funny if he didn't ask her to the box social after singing about it in such a lovely way. Like, well, if he sang that whole song and then was like, oh, I'm going with Gertie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And then obviously he's lied. He hasn't got this really lovely way of showing up. But he actually has. Yeah. He's just told her that he's lied to annoy her. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They're both They're both each other. She goes into the house with Judd, who is their farmhand. And says, come to the dance with me. No, he asks her. 
okay they go into the house Judd says can I take you to the box social tonight and she says yes then they come out yep yeah and Judd reveals that that's what's happening so Curly asks Aunt Ella instead Judd looks a lot like John C. Riley. he does he's like a young John C. Riley. yeah so this has now changed the status quo and now Curly's chasing her yes for once for once Mm-hmm. Curly doesn't know quite how to deal with that. He gets angry and he storms off, but not before saying, Don't worry, Aunt Ella, I will take you, you will be my date. Yeah, because we all love Aunt Ella. Yeah. And then Aunt Ella goes to the train station to meet Will on his way back from Kansas City. Yes, but before that, we see Judd peering through the window as oh, is she Laurie's game oh changed and she has Insta regret. Creep. Yeah, but at that point, I didn't know how much of that was accidental. Like, as it yeah. comes about, like, obviously, yeah, creepy, but... But then when she goes outside to look, because she, she assumes that it was him, mm-hmm. so she goes outside to check and he tries to say to him, I've changed my mind, and he gets instantly angry to the point that she runs back inside the house without having a conversation with yeah. him at all. He is a scary... He's a lot bigger than her. From a female perspective, she's used him... Yeah. Like, she she has. She's used him for her games with Curly. But she's instantly discovered that he is a really scary kind of guy. Yeah. Which is not what we want. Wasn't clear. Didn't get that. No? No. Well, you're a man. I didn't get that from, from that moment. Okay. We go to the train station, which I think really good way of changing the scenery. Like, had it been Will shows up here. Mm-hmm. It would just been a little too much. So I yeah. like the change in scene. Like yeah. you telling me that was really interesting. Yeah, this is one of the examples of not having the characters sort of show up and be like, I've just come from the train station. Yeah, it was much better doing it this way. Mm-hmm. Will shows the boys his little wonder and impresses Auntie Ella with his little wonder. Yes, which is a kaleidoscopic photogram. I yeah, but they're all say. looking at nudie ladies. Yeah, so it's including not... Auntie Ella. Yeah, but... My point being that it's not weird. No, they're not naked. The women in the in the wonder. Is it implied thing. that they were naked? They're no. French ladies who are wearing very little. Yeah, they're Moulin Rouge dancers. But my point being, the difference is Judd has completely naked women. Yeah, but still, like the men are objectifying women in this world, regardless. So is um, Antella. So yeah. So why does it matter that he's got them up on his wall? That's his home. That's his private place. It's why? not though. It's their house. But it's his part of it that he's in creepy all the men are doing it some do it more publicly like i don't think it's fair to judge him okay for that when all the other men are doing it as well okay so it's established that will has an arrangement with ado annie's father that if he has 50 dollars he can marry her yeah and he's gone away to kansas and earned it Ada Annie's father doesn't like cowboys. Yeah. He wants her to marry a farmer and be a farmer's wife. But he, he basically says, yeah, if you can get $50, which is a lot of money, yeah. you can marry my daughter. And he's got it, but he's made the mistake of purchasing gifts for her. For the price of $50. Yes. We sing Kansas City, which is a really fun song. Yeah. 
they've gone as far as it'll go. Seven-story skyscraper. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, I really like Everything's that. Everything's up to date in Kansas City. And they've gone as far as they can go. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that song. Like, especially because back in 1906, I can imagine, what more can we do? Yeah, buildings over two stories would have been crazy. Yeah. And I know we sometimes have it, like, nowadays, like, we marvel at our technology that we have. Mm-hmm. How can they top this? Yeah. You know, the, the... Well, especially because it's balanced against, you see, when they go to the dance, they're mm. building a schoolhouse yeah. themselves. The 20th century floor. was the, the, the kind of biggest technological developments mm. because everything just kind of came so quickly within one another. If you think how long we had up until 1900s without these big things, and then suddenly yeah. in, you know, 100 years, we've had all these different inventions and... The, the world changed massively. Well, even if you think within the last period. like twenty years, how much everything yeah exactly you know has jumped technologically. And I really like that old timey mentality. If you look at how amazing this is. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, and I think that song captured it really well. It's one of yeah. my favorite songs. Then we go from Will to Ada Annie. The tap dancing in that section was a lot oh, of fun Oh, it's good, well. isn't it? And they call it a two-step, which I yeah. think is really funny. I was kind of disappointed. They had, like, a really great shot when they were all dancing. Like, mm-hmm. basically on the train tracks, and you get this great shot of them all dancing. And then it kind of panned in. Yeah. And then you lost some of the action off the stage, like, off, off the screen. Mm-hmm. And then it panned back out, but it didn't go as far back as it was, and you then lost their feet, which... Yeah, it's there's some weird choices with the dance scenes. But the problem it was such a beautiful shot that they then kind of ruined. Yeah. For me, which was kind of like, oh, is that how this musical's gonna fare? Mm-hmm. Taking bits that are great and just kind of ruining them in a in a slight way. Because I really loved that. I love just the composition of the set and I'm, I'm watching this shot of them dancing and then missing on their feet during the the tap was just a shame. Yeah. that's like the best bit is seeing how they move mm-hmm. but I really like how the tap dancing was infectious it starts off with Will and then everyone else picks up yeah. there's a nice moment where they're just swaying and you can see every other character swaying in the background and then the tap mm-hmm. happens that was a really fun set piece especially because he says it's a new dance yeah that he's he learned in Kansas and now he's they're sort of picking it up as he does it yeah and it builds and builds until they're all doing it mm-hmm Nice. The choreography in this is really good. It is. It's, the set piece in this is the best bit. Mm-hmm. Laurie keeps getting caught in a state of undress. Yep, she goes for a swim in the lake. And she is happened upon by Ado Annie. Yep, who has... So Ado Annie, while Will has been away, she's met a gentleman who is a peddler and has fallen as much in love with him as she is with Will. And she says that she always prefers whichever guy she's with, yeah. like, in person. Because she forgets what the other ones are like. Yeah. Then we meet a very strange character. Ali Haram is my least favourite character. Yeah. And Ali, saying something. Ali Hakim is a really strange character. He's referred to as the Persian a couple of times. He says he's from Persia. Yeah. He's not played by a Iranian actor. But he speaks with an accent as well, which is bad. It's not a Persian accent. No, it's not. I find his character comes across like this con man who is pretending to be Persian to, like, sell his bit. But then also, 
I couldn't find anything about that. So he's obviously just supposed to be Persian. Yeah, like I would have no issue with that character done with a Persian yeah. performer. Yeah. Like in that sense, completely fine. Mm-hmm. It works. And suddenly that character becomes funny. Yeah. Done like this, it's not acceptable. Yeah. I believe in the mo- modern one. Yeah. Because the, the 2020 one with Ali Stroker yeah. is modern day. She's wearing jeans and a t-shirt yeah. and cowboy boots. They're all dressed modern. I believe he's just called the peddler. He isn't given a yeah, racial I, if, background. If you're not going to give the character the racial background or the actor the racial background of the character, you don't give them that. No, it's really weird. Yeah. But also, you know, 40s Hollywood yeah, which isn't I get. doing the best with getting... This is the thing. My least favourite character in this, but I think if it was performed with the right diversity, mm-hmm. I would enjoy his character more. Because, like, the sleazy con man is, is kind of fun. Especially, like, later on when he gets his karma. Yeah. There's some fun with this character to be had, but the problem is I just... I really turned off whenever he was on screen because mm-hmm. he's a racist caricature. Yeah. So he he's this sleazy con man character, like you say, but he has this great gimmick all the way through the show of he really likes all the girls, but he doesn't want to marry any of them. So his relationship with Edo Annie is basically him trying to get her to marry Will so that he doesn't have to. Yeah, and the uh, the he's essentially just wanting notches on his bedpost as a traveling salesman. Yeah, and he will say whatever he can to the girls to get that to happen. Mm-hmm. But the second things get too real, he instantly tries to find ways out. Yeah, we do get the song "I Can't Say No," which is so unfortunate in this film. Like I, I do feel sorry for the actress because she. She obviously is not a singer. This song is hard enough to sing when you are musically trained, let alone when you have nothing to background you. Yeah, you can tell the dubbing was off with this. Like, it just didn't look right. But she has no emotion on her face either. She literally is straight-faced and doing nothing. Like, there's nothing about this performance that was good in that song. Mm. And... It's a funny song with the lyrics. So it's interesting to get that side from a woman and not a male. Yeah. Like, I've often said I would love to do Grease where we gender swap and we have a female Danny and a male Sandy. Yeah, that's Grease too. I know, but <laughs> I'd like to do it with the Grease I know. Yeah. I've often said like I'd do that because I think it's a really fun idea to play around with the gender power structure. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the nice things about this, that Ado Annie has the power yeah. and Will doesn't. And she mm-hmm. knows it. And even if she's naive in it, it's nice to see the female perspective of what I just like. Kissing boys. Kissing boys. Like, why not? Yeah. yeah. And that's nice. And yeah. like, I think that's a really good take on this character. Her song is a really good character song. Yeah. And because she is the comedy character in the stage show anyway... When she's singing, you can just make such a meal out of that song, and mm-hmm. it's great. And all the lyrics are just so funny. Yeah. It's like the beginning of it where she says she's heard all the stories about how women are put upon by men, and she knows right from wrong, but when she's with a fella, she forgets. 
because as soon as they kiss her, she just wants to kiss them back. Yeah. Which is, for this time period, absolutely hilarious. Oh, yeah. For 1907, when this is set, amazing. Like, this... Prairie woman is just happy to kiss whichever fella talks pretty to her. Yeah, and it's a really fun song that I don't think got the justice it should have in this. No, I agree. I've written down the line, marry her on purpose. Yep, my favourite line. You want to marry her on purpose? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Will comes riding up to Ada Annie when she's standing there with the Persian, the peddler, and is basically talking passionate love to her and then turns to the peddler and is like, I'm so sorry, it's just that I'm going to marry her. And he says, marry her? On On purpose? purpose? Because he can't fathom why anyone would want to marry a girl that's willing to kiss you. He is very sweet for a male character. Who will? Because he doesn't look at the Kansas girls because he knows he loves Annie. I think that's really cute. Having to bring it up though. Yeah. As a thing. Yeah, it's it's like I didn't look at any of the girls in Kansas and I could have. Yes, but this is the sort of thing where conversation reversed. Yeah. I didn't look at any of the boys, though I could have. Yeah. Like, I, I agree. You know, it's a really fun interaction between them. It's why I'm so invested in their dynamic, because it is more interesting than anything else in this musical. Mm. We get the Surrey with the fringe on top reprise. Yep. And who threatens death if they don't get a kiss in that song? Somebody threatens death if he doesn't get a kiss. Will says he'll die if he doesn't get a kiss. There we go. I'll die if you don't kiss me. Weird. Yeah. A little bit weird. Hyperbolic is what I would say. Beautiful day reprise and Curly now has a college girl. Yeah. To mock Laurie. Gertie, who has the most obnoxious laugh of anyone in the entire world. Yep. And I think that is there just to be as irritating as possible to Laurie. Yeah. But the fact that they're it's made worse by the fact that they are in Laurie's garden. Yeah. Picking her peaches. And, and basically saying that Gertie's food will be better. Mm. Yeah, so Laurie and Gertie have a fight in her garden. Everyone yes. splits them up. And then the girls go and get ready for the party. There is a really good amount of women being willing to beat up another woman over their man in this. <laughs> yeah. And it's quite funny. We go to many a new day. Mm-hmm. Where Laurie lies about her feelings to stop feeling them. I like this song. It's okay. This is a song that frequently gets stuck in my head. I like when she sings Many a New Love Will Find Me. Yeah. It's fine. I don't need this one because I've got plenty others. All of the other boys that will line up at my door now that I'm done with Cutley. And I really appreciate the plight women face in preparing for a box social. Do you? Yes, all, all are getting ready. Mm-hmm. Especially when we cut to the men, like a few after the song, and they're just like around the water, slapping on their heads, and they're done. Yeah, and especially because it's a trough. That's, yeah. a, that's for horses, and they're all just washing in it. One of my favourite jokes in this musical comes during this song. Is it during the dance sequence? It is. When that one dancer 
wants to continue with her jumps. Yeah, she's doing really nice ballet dancing, and the rest of the girls have moved on. Yeah, and when they're all doing the, the, the yawny faces and the dreamland... She's still doing her excellent little hops. She looks around, does her little hops, and kind of smiles to herself. It's like, I win. Yeah, I like that. That was yeah. a really nice moment. Physical comedy. Like, it was a good song. The purpose of it is clear. It's Laurie lying to herself. Yes, it's the I won't say I'm in love song. Well, no, because that's people will say we're in love. No. No way. No how. I, I won't say, say it. No, no, no. They both are. They're both... Lying to themselves. Yeah. They're both that style of song. Yeah, so she sings Many a New Day and then we immediately go outside and Laurie goes up to Curly. And they have a, a song conversation about how, gosh, Curly, everyone says that we're in love with each other and we need to stop this rumour from going around because you're clearly in love with this Gertie girl. And they sing this whilst holding hands with one another. Yes. And looking about as in love as you can be. Yeah, I don't care about their relationship. Aww. This song bored me. But before that song happens, we actually have more encounters between the peddler and Ada Annie. And we meet Mr. Annie. Oh, yeah, sure. Ada Annie's father. Yes. And she says how Will has got the £50 so I can marry him. Yep. And her dad says, have you got the £50? Put it inside your sock in your corset where he can't get it. Or can he? Yeah. And it's and revealed then... that Will has spent it on presents, therefore he doesn't have $50, therefore the deal isn't valid. And despite the peddler trying to talk himself out of marriage, is promised Ado Annie. Yeah, because and... he's been talking pretty to her. And he starts panicking, because yep. I don't want to be married. Well, Annie doesn't know that, then. No. And we, we're introduced to the sort of strange cultural-esque difference in that Annie explains that what he's been saying to her and all of these pretty things that he's been telling her about, yeah. like how lovely she is, and her father says, well, that sounds like promising talk to me. Yeah, so you And she says, her. that's what I thought too. And then they look at him and he's obviously not realised that what he has been saying to her has made her think that they should get married. Yeah. So he is now betrothed to her. Yep. He's panicking. And we go to Curly and Judd. Mm. And they have angry words with one another. Judd is a pervert with pictures of nudie women on his wall. Yep. All the men in this are perverts, though, to a degree, with yeah. their small wonders. I agree. It, I think it's a weird sort of time in history where you could get your hands on, like, burlesque photographs. Yeah, and burlesque has started, you know, Will has said he went to a burlesque show whilst he was in Kansas. What did he call it, though? A barbecue? Burlicue. Burlicue. Because he couldn't read that it said burlesque. Yeah. So, I don't think it's fair to tarnish him with the same... Stick like okay, maybe he's gone a level above and has got yeah. Everybody else has pictures. pictures of these burlesque dancers in hardly any clothes. Yeah, and they comment on the fact that the ones that Judd has are naked pictures. Yeah, so it's this point where Curly is officially 
done. The worst, yeah. Yeah, okay, so... And I will never, regardless of what happens in the rest of this play, I don't ever root for him again. Okay. So, for a sort of a trigger warning, this contains a lot of references to suicide and talking people into suicide. Yeah. Which is obviously horrible. And wrong. And just a really weird take for this musical. Yeah. Because I don't know what his goal is here. He's trying to get him to kill himself so that he can have Laurie to himself. But in the way that he goes about it, yeah, it becomes more about, imagine if you could go to your own funeral and watch everybody cry about you. Yeah. They'd all realise how much they loved you. Yeah, the worst song. Yeah, it, it is a waste of time. It's obviously a, scene change, a set change song. Because the next thing that happens is the the weird dream ballet. But how so much does Judd's life suck that he's willing to listen and indulge? That's what really upsets me about this. Yeah. And I don't get why people are so against him. Is it this weird social class structure because he is lower than everyone else? Mm. Is it more of this cowboys versus farmhands? Because that seems to be a plot line. Yeah. And is Curly just looking down on him because he's a lowly farmhand, whereas he's a free cowboy? It's yeah. never explained. No. And that's what really frustrates me about the treatment of Judd. That's why I don't think he's the villain. Yeah, we aren't given enough about him that no. treats him... He's been used. I agree. Ag- She's used him. And I agree that his response to Laurie is awful. Yeah. And makes him a villain. Mm-hmm. But none of this happens if Laurie doesn't use him as a pawn. Yeah. And it's a real shame that he gets. However, he is already interested in her. Yeah, but I think if she just said no to him there and then, end. Based on his reaction to everything else throughout the show, I don't think he's the kind of guy that you can say no to. Agreed. But that's only because he's already got the yes. And he's got his hopes now. No. I agree he's wrong and. I don't agree. He comes across as the kind of guy that if you said no to him ever, regardless of whether or not he has his hopes up, he's already made his mind up that he's getting a yes. And that is the most dangerous kind of man. I don't agree completely. So he just comes across as a creep to me. But that is based on my own experiences. So Yeah, I I think it's a very difficult moment here because at this point I don't know enough about him. Mm. When I wrote my notes to sympathise with him, as the story progressed, I lost that sympathy for him. Yeah. But I certainly don't have in any... In this song, yeah, yes. I certainly don't have any sympathy or any desire for Curly to get anything he wants after this song either. No. I will say, Will is my favourite male character. Yeah. Because he's adorable. Yeah. Agree. 100%. Anyway. So we, we established slightly earlier on that... Laurie isn't sure what to do because she said yes to Judd. Yes. She feels, because she's quite innocent, that that means she's promised him something. And she doesn't mean that she's promised him marriage, but she's made a promise to him that she'll go to this party with him. And she feels bad about it because she's now conflicted because she is in love with Curly and she doesn't know which boy to pick. So she buys... Some what does she call it? It's like Egyptian. It was the elixir of Egypt. Yeah, the elixir of Egypt from the peddler. 
and it's smelling salts and he says that if you smell it, it and think about what you want it will reveal to you uh, your desires what it actually is is laudanum which is made from opium and contains morphine yeah so basically she bought some drugs yeah and her plan is to get high and decide which guy she prefers yes and we have like a half an hour sequence we have a fever dream yeah where she's just having a fever dream about what marrying curly would be like compared to what marrying judd would be like yeah I get really confused, and I didn't like that the actors in the dance were different actors. It's the same in the stage show. I just don't think they looked enough like the actors Mm -hmm. for it to pass, and especially because they used Judd. Yeah. Which, it just gets confusing, and, like, it doesn't, didn't work for me. I would have rather you keep the cast. Mm-hmm. However, I understand that the cast might be limited, that they can't perform such an intricate dance number. Yeah, so it's a ballet. It's called the Dream Ballet. Yes. And you have in the stage show, Dream Curly, Dream Laurie, and Dream Judge. Yes. Are three ballet dancers who come on for this scene and replace the actual actors. I don't know where this started from. I assume it comes from a place of wanting classical ballet in your musical in sort of the vein of opera shows. Yeah. Where you always have the ballet ensemble. But in the film, because the guy that they've cast as Judd is a really big guy and he has a very distinct look, they couldn't find a ballet dancer to play him in the ballet scene so they just got him to do it, which is okay. Uh, Dream Judd doesn't have as much dancing to do. As and it doesn't Curly. stand out when the regular Judd is doing this. Like, it doesn't look bad for him doing it. Mm-hmm, no. But when you've got the other two being played by new actors, it does. it is really yeah. weird against it. You can sort of take it as being that Judd is so vivid in her fever dream that it's him, but yeah. it's it's really weird. It's very strange. This was one of my favourite set pieces throughout the whole performance. What, running through the doors and then it turning like into... Like, the different. whole fever dream ballet mm-hmm. was amazing from start to finish. Yeah. And I really liked it. You know, it frustrated me with having different actors a little bit and it was uh, initially quite jarring yeah but once i got the gist of it you know this dancing's impressive the story's great mm-hmm. the lighting the sound that accompanies it and the dancing changes from light to dark with judd's presence yeah and it's really good at depicting nightmare mm-hmm. you know i really enjoyed it I especially like the dance fight between Judd and Curly. Yeah. Or Dream Curly. I really liked the fight there. I thought that was really fun Mm -hmm. and impressive. Like, it was the best set piece of this whole show, of this whole film. Yeah. Is going to the box social traditionally a lifelong commitment of marriage then? Like... No. So... In... Genteel company, going to the box social and being
being alone in a horse and carriage or a surrey with an, with a man yeah. who you're not engaged to, that's you're alone with a man. Yeah. That's sort of unheard of. You're you are not allowed to be alone on your own with men in any situation unless you're married to them. Or if they're proposing, occasionally you can get like a five-minute alone time for the guy to propose. But the fact that she agrees to be alone with this man sort of suggests to everybody else that she has intentions towards him when he has intentions towards her. So Curly taking her, everyone would be like, yeah, of course Curly's taking her to the box social because they're together. But her going with somebody else... It just, it makes her look bad. Yeah. And then the fact that when they're driving to the box social, he won't drive with everybody else. Because everybody else, they're all going to the box social together. They've all gotten ready together at the And Lawrence they're house. literally off like a lightning bolt. Yeah, because it's fun. It's a party and they're all young people. But Jazz is taking his time. Yeah, he's riding really, really slowly. He's dropped back from the pack specifically so that he can talk to Laurie one-to-one. But that makes more sense to me now, since you've told me that it would have been rare for him to have that time. Yeah, he wouldn't have had any alone time with her before now. It's one of those awful ones that also does make me feel angry at him, but also more sympathy towards him. Like, if that was the perspective of the time that this was such a big deal to be alone with someone, Mm. that he's... With a woman. Yeah, and he's now thinking, wow, I stand a chance. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, her yeah. using him in this point, like, again, I don't endorse anything he does later on, but I can understand why he's angry, because... Well, especially, so, when they're alone, they drop back, and he slows the car almost yeah. to a stop, and he confesses his love to her. Yes. And, in so many words, suggests that they get engaged, and she says no... And his reaction is, what do you mean, no? And he gets angry. So in order to avoid having to answer him, she whips the horses so that they take off. Yeah. Like a shot and bolt. Which... Is kind of funny. Is His response to her is not acceptable. No. And I can completely understand why she has to think of something to get out of it. Mm-hmm. She's getting karma for including him in, the, in this weird game of chess yeah she shouldn't have done this to him to start with however he needs to sort out his emotions exactly like this is not a rational response to anyone in any way shape or form she has now said no that's honoured yeah it's the end of it that's the end of it and his reaction is at this point that I start to dislike him a lot I sympathise with him he's been given this false hope he should still accept no like she's changed her mind yeah but given the context of 1906 that I wasn't aware of, it does make me feel more sympathy because he might have had more hope in that moment because of what yeah. happens with other people. But she whips the horse, the horse is run off, mm-hmm. he gets off to calm the horse and she takes control and it pushes him. Pushes she him. Pushes him off of the car. And it's amazing because he's twice her size. He's yeah. a big guy. So the fact that she she just sort of shoves him 
and then whips the horses again and they go off and off they go to the box yep. social. And we Which is certainly... obviously not that far away. No, if you Because he walk walks there yeah. later on. I mean, they do get there noticeably later. Like, the yeah. main part of the social is over there now at the auction. Mm-hmm. But we do have one of the best songs, The Farmer and the Cowhand. Yep. I really like this song. I'm aware of this one too. Probably, probably Seth MacFarlane. Like, yeah. there must be a Family Guy or a Million Ways to Die in the West parody mm-hmm. of this song. But I'm aware of it. And mm-hmm. I like this one. It's really fun lyrics. You know, I really enjoyed this song. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the lyrics I especially liked. But there's just a lot of nice moments in it. Yeah, there's a bit where they say something along the lines of, like, be nice to the cowman and have him over because he'll help the farmer out. But while he's there, make sure you lock up your wife and your daughter. Yes, that was the bit. I really liked that. And the farmers are thrifty and they won't go out drinking unless somebody else is buying the drinks. Yeah, it's a really nice song. They're just making fun of each other, but in such a good-natured way. The box social descends to fisticuffs, like it's a, you know, cheap saloon. Yeah. And Auntie Ella restores calm and order. With her gun. With her gun. Yep. And we cut to Will and Ada Annie. Mm Mm-hmm. All or nothing. All or nothing. And, yeah... Yeah, they have a really weird relationship. I, I, I'm just here for Will's happy ending. Yeah. That's all I want. He calls Ali a rat and threatens to hurt him if he doesn't treat her right. Even, the peddler, yeah. Even now when he knows he may not get her. Yeah, he's still looking he's out still for looking her. He's still looking out for her. But this is one of my favourite moments. Mm-hmm. And... I hate the fact that I enjoy this moment because of the way this character is depicted. But I love the peddler buying the presents off. For $50. Yeah, just it's... so that he can, he can be free. It's a really nice moment. And Will, I don't think, gets it. He's no. just like, I, is it worth that much? I'm making that much profit. He goes to buy something. I can't remember what it is first. It's the hot water bottle. The hot water bottle. Oh, that was $3.50. Well, I'll, oh, give, I'll you give you eight. I'll give you eight. And, and then there's another thing he says is like worth, I think it's three dollars. He says I'll give you three dollars for it, and Will goes to say something. He goes, "Oh, okay, three dollars fifty, and like adds money on because he wants Will to marry Adoan. Yes, and and then we have Judge shows up. Yeah, but so we've established on this podcast, I'm not good at maths. However, I was very proud of myself in this yes. scenario because Will is trying to add up how much money he's just made. And he's made $43.50. Yeah. And then he sells... He's trying to sell... It's his little wonder. Yeah, which has a secret knife in it. And Judd's asked about it earlier. He wants one. Judd is going to stab... Curly. Curly with his little wonder. Yeah. So, Judd says, how much do you want for it? And Will says... $3.50. $3.50. And I said, that's $49. He's $1 short. He's $1 short. And then, lo and behold, that's $49, right? $1 short. 
And I was just like, validation, yay, I can do maths. Yeah, so the peddler buys the rest of it for one dollar and we're sorted. Yes, he has 50 bucks. And, and then immediately spends it. Immediately nearly blows it. Yeah. By bidding on her in the box social for $50. Mm-hmm. And after his bid realises... That isn't going to her. Yeah. The money goes to the school that they're trying to build. And is told, yeah, you don't have the money anymore. So, so the... spotting a chance for opportunity, the peddler shouts, $51! Yep. And Will clarifies with Auntie Ella. Mm-hmm. If he gets this, do I keep my do money? I keep my money? She says yay, and he says right. So you're gonna uphold your promise to me. I've got fifty dollars here, mm-hmm. and he's gonna get a happier ending. So now they are engaged, and we come to the main attraction of the bidding. Yeah. So the way that it works, the bidding is all of the ladies in the area have made a box or a basket. And you win the picnic basket and all the food that's inside of it, the majority of which has been made by these ladies. Yes. But you also win a date with the girl that made it. So you go on a picnic with that lady. So the point is you don't know who the box belongs to. But the peddler also gets a very special prize of a three-day summer cake. Yeah, because it's got a a really... awful sweet potato pie. Gross pie in it. And Ado Annie blows it by telling everyone that the last two boxes are hers and Laurie's. But it's not just her that blows it, because Auntie Ella says, right, this is my niece's. But only because Ado Annie's already said it. Okay, I hadn't noticed her say that. Oh, yeah. No, Ado Annie's the one in the bright pink dress. Oh, I know, but I hadn't noticed her say that about who's who's left oh yeah so auntie ella says oh we've only got two boxes left now and ado annie oh something like who's who could they belong to and ado annie goes oh well that one's mine and that one's laurie's and auntie i thought it was more clear because laurie showed up late i don't think anyone's paying attention yeah it was because i noticed her put it down yeah. I wonder if that was kind of a big deal that others noticed it. Because she caught eyes with Curly as she did it as well. So I wonder if more people had noticed it. Yeah. Either way, the whole point of this is, is it's supposed to be a blind auction, mm-hmm. but it's not. But it's not. And Judd immediately comes forwards to bid for Warren. And everyone is uncomfortable when he bids. Everyone's trying to outbid him for, like, whatever reason. It's not clear why they're all so hesitant about him. Like... Well, so he is, all of the people that are there, all of the young men are either cowboys or farmers. And he's not, he's a farmhand. He's a farmhand. He's not one of them. He's not from there. Nobody really knows anything about him, except Curly knows that in the past, he burned down somebody's barn, suspected to have burned down somebody's barn, with them inside, and killed three people. So... It's status. Yeah, they are higher class than him. And they're looking down on him because he's mm-hmm. inferior. Curly's already left at this point for whatever reason. He, yeah, we learn why. We learn why. But Curly's walked off at this point and... Laurie is bidding. looking for him. Yeah. Too. Everyone is kind of uncomfortable. When he bids, it's great because everything's quiet. And then someone else bids, it goes straight back to him. And the, the kind of moment of joy and, and revelry 
goes. Yeah, it's not fun anymore. You can tell that everybody is thinking, no, we know that Laurie is Curly's girl. Yeah. Because all the other guys are sort of bidding two dimes or whatever on... But they're bidding to... normal bid. Yeah, but they're also bidding at this point against Judd. Because Curly's not there for whatever reason. They're trying to kind of save the day. Yeah. Curly finally comes back. With his saddle. With his saddle, which is worth $30. Mm. But he only gets 10 for it. The guy that offers him $10 is the original Broadway stage production. He was Dream Curly. Oh, cool. Yeah, like he's the dancer. Yeah, he's also the same person that says um, he gets the three day bellyache from Ada Annie's home. It's the same boy. But he yeah, he sells he's, his saddle. He buys it for ten dollars. Judd is not... still has more money. Mm-hmm. And Judd reveals eventually, I have my life savings. It's forty two dollars fifty cents. Yeah. Good luck. So. He sells everything of his worth. Curly sells his gun. He his sells horse, his horse, his gun. His saddle. Yeah. And he makes $52 and wins. Yeah. And Judd says he'll regret it. He'll regret it and instantly goes to stab him. But just before anything can happen, the peddler is aware of what's going to happen, tells Auntie Ella. She stops. Yeah, she intervenes and takes him away, but without telling Curly about it. Yeah, which is weird. I guess she's sort of the matriarch of this community. But again, if she's aware that there's like a knife in this, she should have said something there and then. So we kind of skipped over a little bit where when Judd arrives at the box party, he catches up with Laurie. Laurie fires him. This happens after. Does it? Am I getting yeah. it the wrong way around? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. So we actually now go to All or Nothing. Mm-hmm. I really like this, that Will lays down the law. Yep. It's not the opposite way around. Like it usually would be that you're going to give up your bachelor lifestyle uh-huh. and commit to me. Yeah, Ada Rani is going to give up her bachelor lifestyle <laughs> yeah. and commit to Will. One of the best lines. Supposing that we had a third one, he better look a lot like me. Splitting image. Yeah. Scouts on her. I really like this. I love, there's a, a part where she she walks around a fence to get away from him because he's annoying her. And he boxes her in. Yeah, he closes the fence door but the wrong way so that she gets stuck in a little triangle corner yeah. to get her. And this song, again, is supposed to be high comedy. Yeah, and it, She's making fun of him. Yeah. You he's don't get the really... comedy from her, but you get the comedy from him. Yes, he's great. You get one or two moments with her, like I said, scouts on a bit, but not yeah. much else. Otherwise. But that's her, him being funny and her yeah. just sort of riding it. But her saying, I'll do an impression of a, of a crawfish and bury myself in the sand every time a guy walks past me. She's being sarcastic for this whole song and it doesn't come no. across at all. This is a character who should be endearing and she's not. No. I'll show you the Ali Stroker version of Can't Say No cool. after this, because it's so much better. We then come to Judd threatening Laurie, mm. and he's revealed to be a total nice guy. Mm. And she fires him, and he says something along the lines of, I will never leave. Yeah, you'll never get rid of me. I can see what kind of person you are now. You've revealed to me what kind of person you are, and you're going to regret it. Nice guy. Yeah, really nice guy. Laurie is very unsettled. Yeah. Will shows up. 
if you see Curly, tell him I'm looking for him. Tell him yourself, he's right behind you. Yeah. And they have another bit of an encounter where they kiss and they go back to their weird flirting dynamic of even though you've just kissed and you're now at least being open about your feelings, we're going to go back to... We're still going to be standoffish of each other, yeah. But Curly proposes to Laurie and he decides he's going to be a farmer. Mm -hmm. And she accepts. Yeah, well, by marrying her, he inherits all of her land, so... And we have, like, a reprise of... People will say we're in love. Yeah, a little mini one. Yeah, it's a nice callback mm-hmm. to earlier, but now they're open about the feelings. And Ada Annie instantly forgets her promise to Will and flirts with yep. the peddler. Straight away. Will doesn't want a goodbye from him. No. You saw that a last Persian goodbye. goodbye. Would you rather have a Persian goodbye or an Oklahoma hello? I've written Oklahoma hello over Persian goodbye. I was going to ask you the same question. Yeah. Definitely here for the Oklahoma hello. Yeah. Well, the Persian goodbye, he <laughs> he kisses up her arm and she swoons. And then he sort of dips her to kiss her. And Will walks by and sees it and says, a Persian goodbye? How about an Oklahoma hello? And an Oklahoma hello is you dip the girl, but you swing your leg over them yeah. as you dip them. I like and then kiss. It, and he does it a couple of times. It's really funny. So they've kind of got their closure now. Mm-hmm. They are going to get married. The peddler's out of the scene. Yep, he's leaving. Curly becomes a farmer. Yes. And he marries Laurie. And then we get the titular and song. And watches from the window. Yeah. We get the titular song. We finally get an Oklahoma. Like, we haven't heard it at all. I would have thought something like this, you know, for a play that's named Oklahoma, we'd have got this song, or, or at least mentioned of Oklahoma a heck of a lot sooner than we did. Yeah. I honestly thought this was the end of the uh, musical. Yeah, you would think it would be the end of the musical. I really felt like it was the end of the musical. And it isn't. It, this song feels very um, so long, farewell, Alfie to sing goodbye. Mm-hmm. It just feels like that's the ha- Rodgers and Hammerstein formula. Yeah. Which I just want to mention, I've been writing Rogers wrong the entire time we've been doing this podcast. Oh, because you saw it come up at the beginning. Yes, of I've always spelled it R-O-G-E-R-S. Mm-hmm. And it's R-O-D-G-E-R-S. Yeah. Silent D is silent. We get karma for the peddler and Annie. Mm-hmm. He has tried having it on with Gertie. Yep. And has been caught by Gertie's father and yep. has been forced into a shotgun wedding. And then Will, being the best character in this show, has a moment of comedy where he shows Gertie an Oklahoma hello. And Annie doesn't like getting the taste of her own medicine either. Yes. So she gets in a fight with... With Gertie. And I was going to say, the reason that they don't say Oklahoma all the way through the film until mm-hmm. the end is because the originally the show was called Away We Go. Oh, really? It wasn't called Oklahoma. And then it, the song Oklahoma wasn't written in until it moved to Broadway. Oh, okay. And then they wrote the song in for the end as like a big sort of showstopper. Yeah. And then they decided that because everyone knew that song, they'd just call it Oklahoma. Yeah. As a sort of like, okay, you win. I really like the line when Annie and Gertie are arguing on the floor 
and Will, Will says tries to intervene. To, you know, we don't want to kill each other. And I'm trying to stop Ada or Annie from killing your wife. And Ali's like, go for it, let it happen. Like, don't I, get involved. I love that he's just so desperate for. He freedom. really doesn't want to be married. So, wishful thinking. I thought that was the end. The men spy on the newlyweds. It's a weird thing. They climb a ladder and they're staring through their windows. So, what is supposed to be happening when they go upstairs is Curly is not supposed to have gone upstairs with Laurie. Yes. But it is widely accepted that when the woman goes to get ready for her honeymoon, the man's going to go up. Yeah. Because they're about to leave for their honeymoon. But he's... You know, they're married now. He's going to sneak up. Yeah. So they have this thing. What did they call it? It had a name and I can't remember it now. I'm sure it will come back to me. They have this thing where you go and stand under the newlyweds window and you make a ton of noise. To sort of to be like, woo. Yeah. And it's rude. And it's to stop them from getting together. Yes. Before their actual honeymoon, even though they are married. So... They go and stand underneath the window, but because the house that Laurie lives in has this nice uh, sort of rose veranda, they can climb up it. So some of the younger guys climb up to the window to to look in and to check that they're both in there. And when they look in, they are both in there. Yeah. And then Aunt Ellie... Ellery, yeah. ...stops, and they all run out, and they climb on a hay pile, and suddenly one of them's on fire... Oh, they, so when they climb on the hay pile, they, this sounds like they do it for fun. One of the, like, traditions, as well as doing the, like, making a bunch of noise thing, is you stand on the top of a hay bale, yeah. because that's showing her, like, they own that. Okay. That comes from their land. It's their hay. Yeah. So that's quite kind of a show of their wealth, and they're stood on top of it, they're above everybody else, and they make little hay babies and, throw them. and throw them at them but Curly's like throwing them back which I thought is so funny and then yeah one of them's on fire mm-hmm. and as Curly shouts fire fire the townsfolk go to get water to stop it mm-hmm. Judd emerges mm-hmm. with a torch on fire and he lights the hay bale that they're standing on yep Curly throws Laurie off he shouts to Will first to catch her yeah. and he's not there quick enough to catch he... her Jumps off, mm-hmm. and in the jumping, Judd stabs himself. He lands on Judd's arm that's holding the knife, and Judd twists and stabs himself in the ribs. So, like, a teapot, essentially. Yeah. Unless it's the other side. I don't know. But... This felt so rushed. Yeah. It just felt rushed. I feel like at this Your point, big... somebody looked at the musical and was like, oh, we put this song, we put the song Oklahoma too early. Yeah. It's like a big climax. You know, you're kind of getting rid of your villain. Mm-hmm. And it's just rushed like, oh, he killed himself. It's it, it's Boba Fett falling into the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, it's quick. It's... But then we have the court. Oh, yes, the American way. Let's not break the rules, let's bend them. Yep. I love that. That the like, police officer, the sheriff of the county is there being like, no, we have to take this to a court. Who's the judge? The judge turns out to be Ado and his dad. Yeah. And he's like, we can just do and it here. And he's like, let's just do it here. He deserves a trial, but it's his honeymoon. So we're not going to bother him by making good court. Yeah, sit down here, we'll do it. Okay, so what happened? Self-defence. Okay, done. Do we all agree that he's innocent? He's innocent. Excellent. Off you go on your honeymoon. Very corrupt. Yeah, we love it. And that's the end. 
Yes, they reprise Oh What a Beautiful Morning as they ride off into the sunset to the train station to go to Kansas for their honeymoon. Yes. Hurrah. Hurrah. What is your best song? My favourite song is either Kansas City Mm -hmm. or People Will Say We're In Love. My favourite song is The Farmer and the Cowman. Okay. It's just fun. Yeah, that's a good laugh. It would be... I can't say no. Yeah. But in not in this version. Yeah. That's my worst song, but I think that's because of the performance yeah. based on what I've seen here. That was... and poor Judd is dead. Yeah. The thing is, the rest of them, like Dream Ballet is my worst. I like I like Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I like The Farmer and the Cowman. And I like All or Nothing. Mm. The rest of them are just meh. They're just, yeah. I don't, just, yeah. yeah, I don't care for any of them. Okay. Other than, than those. But the ones that I dislike the most, obviously, mm-hmm. Poor Judd is Dead, I Can't Say No. Who's your MVP? Will. Aunt Ellie. Oh, Ella, yeah. I really like her. She's fun, and it's nice to see an older character having that much sass. And that much fun. Yeah. She's not depressed, she's not sad, or dying, or... No, because I can imagine a lot, in my mind, a lot of musicals of this time focus on younger people. Mm. And this does. I don't know as many musicals of this time. Yeah. But in my mind, it's always been that younger people and the older people don't really matter. So it was nice for me to see that she mattered. Mm. Which role would you want to play, then, as a... Ada Annie. You see, I'd want to play Will. Nice. No, <laughs> I, I would. He's, I guess I know I'm drawing a task. He's the only male character in this mm. that's likeable. Yeah. None of the others. And there's not, like, other characters where I said it would be a challenge, it would be fun to play them. Yeah. It would not be fun to play any of the other characters in this. No. Okay. It's Will all the way. Fair enough. So, I suspect that we have very different opinions on this musical. I think you like it, I don't. Yeah. So, I put out a message on Twitter, at It's a Musical Pod, Mm -hmm. asking for thoughts on Oklahoma to kind of cement, of the two of us, what does the consensus feel? Yeah. So, at Musical Man Pod... Replied. If you haven't listened to the Musical Man podcast yet, check it out. Really great show. Big fans of it here. And he's running a a competition on his Twitter at the moment where if you guess, uh, he's doing like a breakdown of all of the snubbed theatre Broadway performances. Yeah, they they didn't get the Tonys. Yeah, but if you can predict in advance which two are going to win his little competition, uh, you can win a prize, apparently. What did you put? I said Finding Neverland. Yeah, you love Finding Neverland. I do. Versus Rocky Horror, and I think Rocky Horror will win. I don't know enough musicals to really fairly comment, but... You didn't know many of them on I didn't know many of them. And with the previous one of the best Tony one, I kept saying, what's your thought, Drew? Yeah. Rocky Horror for me is Mm -hmm. such a great show. Anyway. Anyway, the musical man said, 
I think I like the idea of Oklahoma more than the show itself, as in I appreciate its place in the evolution of what musical theatre could look and sound like, and I enjoy mulling over its banana bread plot. But I wouldn't go out of my way to seek production. Fair enough. Gay cowboys, though. Yep. Reese Degman. Yep. Hopefully I've pronounced that right. Sorry, Reese, if I haven't. I'd call it fine with some catchy tunes if it wasn't for the poor Judd scene. I remember seeing it in the theatre with some friends and turning to them in shock horror as our supposed hero said, you could hang yourself on that, and proceeded to encourage a man to kill himself. Yes, and we asked my mum about it as well, and she doesn't like it either. No. Ben Chapman, at BenChap45324487. Whilst some of the themes haven't aged well, I believe it should be considered an all-time great for the steps forward it made in the transition from vaudeville to what we know as modern musical theatre. Yes. And I think that's really interesting. Like, I can appreciate its place. Mm -hmm. Without it, there is no Sound of Music, there is no King and I. This is a very important show. Yeah, and I think with this, you can appreciate its effect on the history of Broadway and of musicals without actually liking it. Yeah, and I think I think there's some really valid points there. I'm glad that someone else has commented on the poor judge scene. Mm-hmm. And I really would be sceptical of seeing a modern performance and having that still in there. I don't know whether it is or not. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think if I went to see that at the theatre not knowing... And it was in there. I would, I would walk out. Yeah, fair enough. I can appreciate an old film. Mm-hmm. But, but in modern day, there's no reason for it to be kept no in. There's no reason for it to be kept in. I think you can keep the awkward encounter between the two, but you cut that song and you cut the references to suicide. Yeah. You've got to still build up the antagonism between the pair of them. I think Curly comes out nicer without being that guy. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. So thank you for weighing in on your opinion on Oklahoma. Yeah, it's nice to hear from people. It really is. It was great. You know, if you are just listening now, feel free to weigh in. At It's a Musical Pod on Twitter. Yes. What did you give? What stars did you give? I gave it two two stars. Yeah. Okay. Only because I really like the dancing. Mm. The tap dancing during Kansas City and the Out of My Dreams Nightmare Ballet are both really amazing yeah if it wasn't for those mm-hmm. based on the narrative and some of the performances it would have been one star <gasps> okay i've noticed that i don't get on with rogers and hammerstein uh, yeah i suppose that's true the the other than love never dies which not main continuity yeah the lowest star ratings i've given off for cinderella mm-hmm. and oklahoma I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you've got to task yourself with finding a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. I enjoy. I like Sound of Music. Yeah. That was fun. I really enjoyed Sound of Music. But I have to say, based off this and Cinderella, I would be quite happy to never watch Rodgers and Hammerstein again. Cry? Which, controversial, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't feel this has aged well. Okay, I, I agree with 
that. I just, yeah, I just don't think this has aged well. I don't think it's their fault. I don't know if it's the performance. Well, at some point we're going to watch um, South Pacific. You might enjoy that one a bit more. No, we've got Carousel, potentially South Pacific. Carousel stars the same, stars Curly and Laurie. It's the same people. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll see. You just, you've got to really sell me on Rogers and Hammerstein. Okay. Because I've had a lot of fun with some of the Andrew Lloyd Webbers. Mm-hmm. I had tremendous fun with Newsies, with Very Potter Musical, My Fair Lady, the producers. Yeah. A lot of fun with the Sondheim that we've done. This hasn't been as fun a one to watch as others. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sad that you didn't enjoy it. I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, they can't all be winners. Yeah, that's true. You know, I, I, I'm not saying Rogers and Hammerstein are bad. No. Like I said, I have seen Sound of Music and I loved it. Yeah. I think the Cinderella we saw was maybe a bad adaptation. Yeah. And if we found a better one, I'm sure I might. there's an element of I might enjoy it. Because the music in that was okay. Mm-hmm. It's just but... I didn't enjoy this one. And I don't know if that's narrative or, or what. And, you know, this is their first one. So this is the first musical they've ever done. They can only get better. Yeah. They're going to get to know each other better and their styles and become this iconic duo. Just don't think Oklahoma was for me. I'm surprised it's still staged to this day. I think revamping it for a modern era is a good way to go with it. Yes, and I I think there's a lot you can do with it from a modern era. But I think you need to cut a lot of it to make it work. Yeah. Next week, I'm very excited. Why? What's happening next week? I'm sure everyone in the universe is aware, mm-hmm. but July 3rd marks the debut of Hamilton to Disney+. Plus. Yes. Our next episode will be dropping the Monday after that. Yep. Which means our next episode is going to cover... Hamilton. Hamilton. Are you excited? Tremendously excited, but scared. But imagine if you hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hate Hamilton. You won't. I love it. Like, okay, if I don't like something and we put an episode out there like this where I don't like it, fair enough, you know. Um, I will anticipate any backlash. Mm-hmm. Art is subjective and musicals yeah. are art. However... However, you're dealing <laughs> with a juggernaut in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I have every faith that I'm going to love this one. I hope so. I've heard nothing but good things. It stars our number one boy. Jonathan Groff. Yes. Whom we love dearly and greatly. The thing is, I know how big this one is. Like, this is the original cast. This is Newsies. Yeah. But it's not like they've been reunited. This is back in the day they filmed like the original cast over three nights. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, 
the definitive Hamilton experience. You're going to like it. I'm sure I'm going to love it. I'm very excited to watch it. I mean, we'll edit this out if we have to. Like, what if Disney Plus UK doesn't bring Hamilton, but everything I've seen says... Well, Lynn Lynn Miranda tweeted the other day that it was. Same. I'm holding out hope, but... Can you imagine? Could you imagine? I'll be on there at midnight checking. We will be celebrating American independence... By watching Hamilton. By watching Hamilton. And laughing at King George III. Yes. Who we love. Yeah, so... Join us next week for a very special American Revolution episode. Yes, and let us know what you thought about this week's episode. Yes. Do you love Oklahoma? Is it your favourite musical ever? Let us know on Instagram and Twitter. At It's a Musical Pod. Or you could email us. At It's a Musical Podcast. No, I don't know what the email handle is. At It's a Musical Pod at gmail.com. There we go. And if you have any suggestions of what Drew's next attempt at a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical should be, I'm aware thus far they've kind of struck out twice. What should we try next to try and get me on board the Rodgers and Hammerstein train? Yeah, we'll see. Will I get on that express train? Or I hope so. Who knows? <laughs> Until then. Until... I can't believe it's going to be Hamilton. Until Hamilton (laughs) next week, have a magical musical Monday.